0: Welcome to Inside Dance, a podcast that celebrates the Bates Dance Festival artists and teachers. I'm your host, Lindsay LaPointe. This episode features Chris Aiken, an internationally recognized performer and teacher of dance improvisation performance and contact improvisation. This summer, he will be teaching one of the making work week-long intensives called The Anatomy of Gesture. He will be teaching this course alongside Angie Hauser. Students will work with improvisation and performance techniques to explore creating, shaping and connecting emergent gestures in the process of making dance. This course will run July 19th through the 25th. The interview you're about to hear was recorded in 2018.
1: I had gone on a camping trip and met these principal dancers from the San Francisco Ballet and they were so amazing physically that, and I was an athlete at uh, that time, that I thought, wow, that's, that's a way of being in your body that I had never seen before, because they were in their 30s, and they, they seemed to be fully alive. And so they encouraged me to take a dance class. So I took some ballet classes in Berkeley and quickly realized that ballet was not the, uh, the path for me moved back to Boston, which is where I was from, and uh, that's where I got my first nine years of training. My uh, two, I I sort of think of my two closest mentors, and then the people who are um, just outside of that were Nancy Stark Smith and Andrew Harwood. Um, I took workshops uh, with them early in Boston, and then later at Smith College in a workshop uh, called Acapella Motion. And in that workshop, there was uh, Nancy Sark Smith, Andrew Harwood, Daniel Lepkoff, um, Karen Nelson, Alito Alessi, and uh, Carol Swan, and Sue Shell. Um, Nancy inspired me as a contact dancer um, and as a teacher because, uh, well, first, just to, as a dancer, uh, her vibrancy as a, uh, as a human being and her agility was incredibly um, inspiring to me, uh, but it was in her teaching that I began to see early on this relationship between movement and language and how as a teacher you can, uh, if, if the words are crafted just right, uh, you can catalyze a whole room full of people. Uh, or you can shift their state and um, and that having a practice of uh, finding uh, the right words to articulate um, or point at um, what you're after can be um, a vehicle for developing your physical intelligence and your uh, compositional awareness and um, so When I think of my training, Nancy really represents a highly sophisticated teaching and moving uh, and improvising through contact, but it was the crafting of images and language that uh, really stuck with me and and set me on my path as a teacher. Andrew Harwood um, was, uh, what I noticed about him other than his sort of electric physicality um, was his ability to use his body in a spherical way where uh, it's kind of like a martial artist that there's uh, a, an ability to move right side up, upside down and to, to, to use Laban's terms uh, t- to really work your kinesphere and to as you're falling forward to not hesitate because you have the skill to either do an Aikido roll or to uh, invert uh, on your hands and so what that does is it uh, expands your capacity to fall and so it, um, if your falling uh, skills have uh, you know, maybe one or two options then as you fall you you kind of tense up a little bit um, but I saw in Andrew this ability to not have to commit to his choice of how he's going to resolve a fall because he had so much skill and, um, and also he was a, uh, a very sort of, his way of teaching was different than Nancy's. He would take things apart and put them back together in little pieces and um, it was very systematic. And uh, so between the two of them they became sort of my, um, both my mentors as a teacher and as um, artists. Uh, I didn't realize as a young dancer that it was possible to have a career as an improviser. And it was them that uh, awakened in me a possibility of a way of life. That um, it wasn't simply about having a career uh, as a dancer. It was being able to uh, have a research practice or a a life practice that was completely integrated from the studio to your living. And that was really, really powerful for me. And um, I was determined to see where that would take me. One of the most uh, powerful threads, although I haven't, I've had less direct classes with him, it's more personal inter- interactions with him and dancing with him, is Steve Paxson, who is the founder of Contact Improvisation. And uh, I can honestly say that I, I've met um, a, a number of people that I would consider geniuses, and he's one of them. Um, his ability to um, again articulate the essence of things uh, is um, particularly in t- relationship to movement and perception um, was it just shook me to my core. It made me realize that movement uh, involves thinking and it involves your whole being and um, it was through Steve Paxton and his uh, his both directly through interacting with him and talking with him and listening to him speak, as well as uh, studying contact with the, uh, the original um, people who uh, created the form with him, including Nancy, uh, was his um, pointing People to the importance of perception that in dancing it isn't about simply about movement uh, and it isn't simply about invention it's about um, how are you using your perceptual systems in order to uh, gather information uh, about both the consequences of your actions uh, so you do something and as I'm doing something I'm, I'm discovering the effects of that, both in terms of other dancers, but also my environment. And similarly, I am able to um, glean from my surroundings uh, lots of information that's both functional in terms of uh, being able to complete my actions as I am engaging in them, but also uh, information that's uh, fuel for the imagination, and so that set me on this path of uh, studying. I, I, when I first uh, sort of finished my first decade of dancing, I felt like I needed to um, really study composition because I hadn't gone to school for dance. Um, I, had, I was an English major at Brandeis University. And so I'd never taken any comp classes. So I thought, well, I better do some research on this. And so I started Uh, not only taking classes with people uh, but also studying composition and when I was reading books about composition uh, Doris Humphrey comes to mind Um, uh, one of the themes that I came across is this idea that the that the studio or the the stage is an empty void waiting to be filled with your invention And to me, that felt wrong. That just didn't feel like um, what I was doing, nor did it feel like what I wanted to do. Uh, There was a hubris to that, or a a sort of egotism to that. And um, so when I was introduced to Steve's work and others, uh, the idea that the space is already filled with um, presence and information, and that uh, my job was to interact and engage with what already there and uh, be in dialogue with who I am and my history and with what is happening uh, in that moment and um, that was uh, formative in who I am as a teacher and as an artist. Contact jams are one of the ways that contact is practiced worldwide is I consider it kind of le, the vernacular Uh, realm of practicing contact Um, contact as you know is um, practiced in colleges in professional uh, studios and in dance companies all over the world now Um, over the last 47 years that that's uh, it went from being sort of this little niche within the dance world to influencing and changing the the whole way we think about technique and so now as a contemporary dancer if you don't have contact skills um, uh, you're kind of seen as lacking in one of the basic um, modalities Um, in my experience technical dancers, and I, by that I mean people who study dance and have a either an eye towards being a professional or who have been in a technical um, environment, studying ballet and modern and jazz, um, are often nervous to put themselves in jam situations where things are unpredictable and you're dancing with people you don't know and your fear is of am I going to get hurt? Are they going to jump on me? Are they going to grab me and do something to me that's gonna hurt me. And so uh, as one of the facilitators of these jams over the years, uh, my my goal is to create an environment where um, there's a focused attention um, and there is a consideration for each other that, allows us to be enthusiastic, but to temper that enthousia- enthusiasm with a sense of respect and care for the other uh, and for the whole room. Um, because it's very easy to get really excited in contact and to start jumping around. And, um, uh, but if, if there's a, a, a mindfulness in the air, then the the experience of the participants is very different. Um, They start to feel that they don't have to spend all of their time protecting themselves and they can begin to focus on improvising together with someone while maintaining some form of physical contact, which is sort of a practice that I... uh, I sort of trick people in my classes sometimes into doing contact without saying contact. And the reason I say that is because um When people first are exposed to contact, uh, especially if they're dancers, one of the things that draws them to it is uh, the acrobatics, the, the very uh, dynamic lifts and um, falls and tumbling. And, uh, and so, and it looks very organic. And so the idea is, or the, the sense is, I can do that. Uh, and so they just get in there and they start doing those things and they try to make those things happen. And, <coughs> um, when you have a room full of people who are doing things to each other, then that's when, um, a, uh, the it's where the highest, uh, risk of injury is and B the, the ability to trespass someone's safety or their emotional uh need to um, be in their own agent of their own movement as opposed to just being manipulated um, <clears throat> and so my goal is to get people to work together and to uh, so the ethos last night i I put out is one that Steve Paxton gave in in the very early days of contact um, you know when I think he was being interviewed and he talked about the collaborative nature uh, and uh, of contact of two people leading and following one another. And here's the uh, the key is causing it only a little. And the idea is, and so I put it out to the dancers last night, that um, it's not that you can stick that answer, meaning, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to cause it only a little. Because at times, you have an impulse to do something with a lot of force. and um, uh, that's totally fine but in the back of your mind if you if you're asking how much am i causing this and if the answer is i'm causing it a lot a lot of the time then uh that's not really in line with uh with the ethos of the origin of the form Uh, and so if you and also um it's, you, you tend not to go into the unknown if you're just doing like I'm gonna flip you onto my shoulder and do that lift that we all s- see people uh, you know they're spinning they're on my shoulder and I'm spinning around uh, everybody wants to do that um, and so my job is to point them towards uh, the ability and capacity to sense each other through the uh, through all their senses and um, The capacity to improvise within that so in other words contact is not a series of moves that you put together to create these acrobatics uh, and that you get um, more points for inserting more tricks Um, it's about communication and it's about um so another thing I, i honed them in on yesterday was this idea of and this is related to my study of perception is that In any given moment, um, you're both perceiving what's happening in the present moment uh, with all your perceptual acuity. uh, And based on that, you are connecting to your past experiences and anticipating what's about to happen. Uh, So if you think about athletes, they often talk about the greatest athletes. It seems that things move slower for them, that they're able to see things that other people can't. Uh, and that's because their skill of anticipating what's about to happen is much greater. Um, and But one of the challenges in contact is if you're in a doing mode, you're launching yourself into the future, but you're, you're leaving the present moment. You're trying to achieve things. Uh, and so I said to them, um, focus on what is perceivable in this moment. In other words, don't think about what you're supposed to do, what you uh, want to do, but through the physical uh, interaction, what do you perceive? All right. So right now, I perceive uh, here's a, a ledge for support, or uh, I I I can feel that you're moving in that direction, so I can coordinate or or not with that direction. Uh, also, when I touch someone, I can perceive if they're nervous, if they're excited, and and uh, or if they're. Um, I can just I have a window into their emotional reality, and if I'm in that doing mentality, that information is not available to me because i'm I'm ahead of myself and i, I and I'm looking to make things happen um, and so um, that's what I feel like uh, as a director of that or as a facilitator is to just create enough of a seed that um Enough of the people in the room are uh, are working to try to stay sensitive and to, um, as Nancy Stark Smith says, replace ambition with curiosity. One of the things that drew me to improvisation um, first was this general feeling of being alive fully, um, having to use all of my abilities and to be confronted with uh, those uh, areas where I was less developed and so I could really feel how, like, oh, I don't know how to do this, or I, I'm not so good at solving this problem. Um, when you're improvising, uh, you're having to integrate your technical practice, your performative practice, and your compositional practice. To me, that's like three-dimensional chess. Uh, it's very complex, and um, but when you feel that you... Uh, it's a medium that you can be yourself in it's incredibly inspiring because you get to uh, it demands physical intelligence which is uh, for me the ability to solve problems as they're emerging Uh, meaning um, there's physical problems so let's say uh, someone is falling towards me quickly I have to get out of the way or uh, I see that you're falling and you need help so uh, you know how can I land either underneath you or give you just enough resistance so that you fall safely. Um, but then there's also the what I would consider compositional problems like uh, you try something and uh, suddenly you realize that the the world that you thought you were engaging with isn't there and you have to adapt instantly to make sense of uh, the new reality. And um, I, there's, there's something about survival that uh, creative survival that is very uh, important to me because um, uh, I think that when we're faced with difficulties, um, if our response is to retreat uh, or to um, just react in a stereotype kind of way, we have a, a couple of solutions to solving, uh, stressful situations, then um, we're less adaptable and we're often feeling um, compromised in our ability to be ourselves and to feel safe. Um, practicing improvisation gives me a chance to practice surviving creatively and, and not only that, it's a, a realm of um, activity where I get to embody my politics and my ethics uh, in other words I'm working together with my collaborators uh, in a way that um, any insensitivity that I have or they have uh, is leads to uh, a need to f- get it right need to figure out how, how are we going to work together and um, It's, you know, I've, when I was a young person, I was, uh, had many examples of people who were famous, who were, uh, who would talk about things in the world, but I knew them personally and they were living a different life. And, uh, I made it my mission to try to connect my personal life to my public actions. And um, I learned that through studying feminist theory as a young person in college, uh, the idea that the personal is political. And so to me, I mean, I didn't start out improvising think of it, thinking of it as politics, but gradually I came to realize that um, how I behave in the studio, how I behave on stage, uh, how I behave in class is, um, reflects who I am as a person and so I often tell my students listen to what I say and watch what I do and if they're not in congruence go study with somebody else that um, I'm not living what I'm saying Uh, and I want them to to hold me to that and uh, and I'm trying to hold myself to that to try to um, use every interaction as an opportunity to um, to be collaborative uh, respectful and uh, to own it when I make mistakes, and to be compassionate towards others. And improvisation uh, really affords that kind of uh, practice because it's not scripted and it's, um, uh, when ultimately when you're dancing, it's, it really is democratic. In other words, uh, sometimes I'm leading, sometimes I'm following, but um, if, one person is always the leader then it creates power dynamics within the ensemble that um, uh, they just um, don't allow each person to be able to take on that role and so often things get complicated or um, we stop seeing each other as individuals who are capable of change who are who have our own thoughts and agency, uh, we get sort of stuck in roles. And uh, improvising is a way of uh, uh, practicing that, of like continually resetting and re-perceiving the other uh, so that you have a chance to calibrate and to change. Angie and I met 15 years ago and uh, In the first week of our getting to know each other, we were asked to perform at a museum in um, uh, Granville, Ohio. We were both in residence at Denison University. And um, in that performance, I realized uh, just what a special dancer she was and uh, what a special improviser she was or is. Um, And from that, we have evolved a body of work uh, both pieces and uh, many evening length works both uh, in collaboration with musicians and other dancers uh, that has been very very rewarding to me personally and um, I think uh, one of the things that is quite inspiring is that um, we're able to bring together improvisation, contemporary dance and contact improvisation in performance uh, and Um, our own compositional aesthetic as well, and um, in ways that are, um, I think, uh, particular to us. Meaning, um, as a younger dancer, I was always wary of mixing contact improvisation with other dance forms, because um, often when I would see it, uh, the, the movements of contact would often be quite stereotyped in a performance. And part of that is because of the, the challenge of doing the form while being watched uh, in a performance setting. And uh, I've met very few people who can do that well over the years. Um, and um, Angie is one of them. Uh, and she's able to, uh, and together we're able to explore the principles of contact while retaining an awareness of the, um, of the compositional and gestural Potential of improvising, and um, um, as we've evolved our work, uh, we've had many sort of um, threads and uh, that we've uh, pursued over the mi- years. Uh, one of which is, um, as I just said, integrating uh, all of our physical practice with our compositional um, uh, research. Uh, but the other is also. Um, when we're performing, most of the people are aware that we're a couple and a heterosexual couple, and, and so we're aware that people are projecting onto us uh, certain ideas and beliefs about a man and a woman or a couple performing, and so we've uh, been in dialogue with that um, in in a sort of light-touch way of just being conscious of how we're being perceived and not um, just unknowingly slipping into certain behaviors that uh, uh, people expect, or that we might fall into if we didn't, if we weren't conscious about that. And uh, so, it not just about enacting our relationship, but it's uh, we're two artists working together who have both personal and artistic history um, uh, to bring to the work. And um, uh, one of the ways that it has worked for us is to both have our shared work, um, and also to have work that we do with other people. So, as you know, she works with BB Miller Company, and I have long-term collaborators uh, in North America, and in Europe that I have worked with uh, for many decades, and. Um, What's beautiful is that we're able to go off and do our work with our other collaborators and come back and uh, cross-fertilize, so to speak, uh, to, to bring back new ideas and, and also just have a chance to refresh and to see each other anew as we come back from these uh, tours that we uh, engage in. and That has been a rich and rewarding um, process for me personally. In the dance world, um, and uh, we are uh, very public in a certain way because we uh, are raising our daughter, and we are we work together at Smith College, um, and we also tour together. So th- there's a lot of um, a lot of different hats that we wear in our lives, and a, uh, a lot of different ways of sharing that we um, uh, engage in, and. Um, As an improviser, one of the things that I have um, believed is that um, the depth of the work comes over time uh, through getting to know each other and building um, both a performance and and, uh, sort of compositional history, but also just getting to know each other and understanding uh, each other's dreams and each other's. personal histories um, and, and ideas about art. And um, that's why I have um, loved returning to collaborators over uh, periodically over many, many years, because those are relationships deepen as time goes on. And so uh, the material has uh, much more depth on stage. Um, one of the things that Often happens with improvisers is that you're put into situations where a presenter will say, um, I'd like to put you together with, with another dancer to see what would happen. And I've certainly done that many times, uh, but the kind of depth that happens when you're sort of put on stage with somebody who is also an improviser, uh, but whom, whom you don't know, uh, is very different than being on stage with somebody who you do know and who. Um, you are able to uh, bring your experience of each other uh, into the work and to um, um, complexify and deepen uh, the performance work. And um, so that to to have the person who's closest to me in my life be able to engage in that process with me has been uh, really rewarding. One of the aspects of my work with Angie is that we have a long history of teaching together and in our work um, the teaching and the performance research are intertwined um, because um, when we're uh, teaching performance improvisation we're exploring um, both the sort of principles behind the work but our most current research we're engaging with the students and with uh, concerns and, and questions that are relevant to us at that moment. And through teaching together, we're able to um, deepen our interrogation of these ideas so that when we are in performance, we've ha- we have that additional layer of uh, understanding of each other and how, how we're approaching the work which I may or may not uh, have when I'm working with someone who I don't have that uh, chance to work with in terms of co-teaching. Um, I've had the good fortune to uh, co-teach with a number of amazing improvisers over the years, including Kirsty Simpson, Andrew Harwood, Ray Chung, Nancy Stark Smith, and um, perhaps it's a, a product of, uh, in the improvisation and contact world, there's a a network of uh, sort of presenters that are non-academic who the way that they're able to present performances is to create workshops that uh, both support the travel and and, uh, artistic fees and the per diem and all that but also to create the the funding that's needed to present a performance Uh, in the contemporary dance world uh, there are many Uh, tiers of presenting and in the improvisation world which has uh, at times been quite on the fringe of uh, that we've had to be really creative about finding ways to to create performances uh, for audiences and one of the ways is to do it within uh, a a festival uh, context. So a presenter will invite us to come to a festival and uh, be in residence to teach. That generates the income that um, pays for all the expenses, but also allows the presenter to um, uh, produce a performance for us. So that's been a very uh, useful uh, model that is uh, allows us to go beyond simply applying for grants or going to presenters and asking them to present us. So there's. Um, and I really believe in terms of performances that you, uh, you learn by doing it. And so I like to um, have a practice of performing regularly in a variety of contexts, from uh, informal to semi-formal to uh, very formal. And uh, it's the accumulation of many performances over years that allows uh, the performer to not only become comfortable uh, on stage and to learn how to uh, be themselves in that situation and not be um, constrained in a negative way, um, feeling that the need to show something or the, the need to impress people. You know one of the things that's been so beautiful about teaching with Angie is that because we're uh, a man and a woman, that we're able to present different perspectives based on our gender and our uh, personal experience, and uh, that's, that's effective uh, both in the teaching, but also in the directing. Uh, there's a sense of um, a greater potential for a- empathy and understanding uh, by having both a man and a woman uh, in the director role. I've been coming to Bates uh, for about 25 years, and uh, my first three years here, I taught in the Young Dance Festival, um, and um, at that time I was married to Kathy Young and uh, we ha- my first daughter, Lucy, uh, uh, w- I raised her here um, and then uh, later uh, I became married to Angie Hauser and I'm now raising another daughter uh, through Bates and so um, when I come here I teach um, contact improvisation and advanced improvisation. As a As a performance uh, mode or a practice yeah and it's it's been an amazing thing to uh, to raise two daughters uh, at different times so I Lucy uh, um, well she's now twenty two so and I she fir- first started coming here when she was a baby and Ruby was here um, she was less than a year old when she first came here so um, Uh, I've done everything from having uh, babies to toddlers to uh, elementary school age and teenagers. So it's really been uh, an amazing uh, process of being here. And uh, all I can say is thank God for YAP, the Youth Arts Program, um, because it's such an amazing program for children, and so it allows me to do my work when I'm here. I'm not... Worried about my child being inspired or happy, and um, uh, I know that she's learning and she's building community. Mm-hmm. Moving in the Moment at Bates College is, uh, Bates Dance Festival is uh, a concert where the faculty and guest artists and staff are invited to participate in an improvised pr- evening length performance. And uh, I've been doing it now for probably 20 years. And, um, you know, when I first came, uh, I thought it was an opportunity to present improvisation and my art. and uh, But gradually I, I realized that um, it really is about community building. That it's not about necessi- it's not that I'm not applying my uh, creative sensibility and my uh, aesthetic uh, ideas and sensibilities in that concert, but you can't suddenly uh, learn how to improvise uh, overnight or even in a three week period. So the goal was uh, and has been to create a container in which people are um, able to feel that they understand what's happening, and they feel confident. and that um, Because you can imagine, there's often 10 musicians and 12 to 15 dancers, and that's a lot of information. Most of the time when I'm improvising, I'm working with far fewer people. And so uh, when the complexity gets that high, uh, Things uh, it's very challenging to to um, uh, to do what I would, the kind of work that I do in my own uh, uh, artwork. So we first it was Nancy Stark Smith and I, and then later it was uh, Angie and I uh, have focused on creating simple structures that um, allow people to really focus on something and not feel that they have to show off or uh, have all the possibilities available to them that through the use of uh, simple limits, um, which could simply be uh, in this section, two dancers will dance with one uh, one musician. And the next section will be all of us working a very simple score, followed by a trio that has a simple score. Um, And that, so in a way, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's related to the work I do, um, but it's much more structured uh, because the more people you have, the more structure you have to have in order for, it, for people to be free. That my experience in improvising is that you're, you're titrating the amount of structure so that people fe- feel confident and free to be creative. If it's too open and they have uh, um, less experience, they're overwhelmed and so they feel confused and often scared or uh, unsatisfied. And um, So that's, that's been a, um, uh, a way of crea- working with that concert to create a, an event where, because when you get all those people together working together confidently, um, it's really inspiring uh, to the audience and the students. Um, they see their teachers working with each other, they see their teachers who are world-famous artists get into situations that are tricky and then they have to get themselves out of them. And so we, you see them uh, in all of their humility, and all of their uh, agility and, and failure. and. I, I uh, applaud all of uh, the people who participate in Moving in the Moment because you're putting yourself out there in a, in a way that um, you're really reaching into the unknown and so it's possible that you could uh, inc- do something that you uh, either regret or you um, wish that you had done better. and. Um, I really feel that Moving in the Moment is a, like a, a real slice of humanity uh, at the festival, and I think that's why uh, it inspires people so much. And uh, it's it's very powerful to dance with the other artists here. And sometimes, uh, if you're not in their classes, uh, you just might never dance with them. And there's something irreplaceable about physical contact with another human being and moving together uh, that is different than having a conversation in the dining hall or watching their work and talking about it later. Improvising in the studio is different in that um, there typically is not an audience and um, I mean it's a place to practice um, certain Uh, aspects of improvising like so maybe I'm I'm working on movement research or I'm um, developing certain perceptual skills uh, or I'm working on certain images or certain concepts Uh, the rehearsal time uh, the studio time is a place to really work that and uh, um, you know to stop and start to talk about it to develop the image or the concept the movement um, um, but when you're on stage it's different because um, number one when you're being watched um, it brings up for each performer uh, what it's like to be seen and to be witnessed and um, it brings up the issue or the question why do you perform And if performance is a situation where you feel scared or you feel your job is to impress the audience, then that colors all of your actions. And um, so for me, performance uh, or performing research has been a way to, over many years, get comfortable with the gaze of the audience upon me and to really interrogate that question, why am I performing? Um, and what I came to over time was that my interest is in creating a shared experience uh, with the audience, and that it isn't for them to watch me do my thing. Uh, It's for me, I've invited them to come, I've created this situation, um, and so I am in a sense directing uh, the the experience uh, through my art, but um, it doesn't exist fully without the audience. And so um, particularly as an improviser, uh, one of the things that I often talk about is the role of the audience in shaping the performance. Um, So for example, I'm in a performance, and I'm doing something. And perhaps I think I'm the center of what's happening. Like, I, I I think they're looking at what I'm doing. And then I look up, and I notice that they're actually looking over there. And so, what that allows me to do is to make a choice in relationship to that. So it could be that, oh, great! I've slipped their gaze, so I can I can research something, or I can or I can drop what I'm doing and I can go somewhere else. Uh, similarly, um, I can see that their uh, focus on this person or that uh, duet. And they've been going for a while and their energy is starting to drop and so I can go over here and I can start moving and then uh, so as they're fading out I've already I'm into uh, the the next thing and so that allows them to leave Uh, sometimes in improvisation something is happening and it starts to it's peaked and it's starting to ebb and uh, then it's starting to like, okay, this has to end. Uh, and it's the job of the other people to not let the ball drop, so to speak, but to, uh, to allow them to um, leave or to change what they're doing. So the audience is teaching us as performers what's, what's important to them. And the goal isn't always to be the most important thing. It's to be in relationship to where's the center of attention. Uh, as a composer, um, I'm really fascinated, because um, if you study art, um, some artists, uh, Picasso is one of them, uh, they, they, they have a painting, and um, you know, often there's a central thing of the painting, but Picasso wrote that he was interested in what was happening at the periphery and uh, he yes of course he knew that you would go to the center thing but he wanted you to go to the the peripheral things as well and um, to really understand and feel that um, it's really great to do it in performance as an improviser because you sometimes you are just in the background and you're able to shade things or 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 direct energy towards uh, someone or something uh, or you can emerge from the periphery into the center and, and so this ebbing and flowing of, um, of Where's the center is? Um, it's really fascinating and that doesn't happen in the studio not unless there's uh, You know a lot of people in the studio and only a few people are performing when I st- first started improvising 30 plus years ago uh, improvisation was a Um, really a a very small part of the dance world I mean certainly everybody improvises at some point in their work um, but the people who did improvisation as a performance art or contact improvisation were sort of in a very small niche of the dance world and um, often there was a a real um, lack of dialogue between those communities and um, one of the things that's been amazing to come to Bates is to be amongst people for whom improvising is not their central thing they're uh, more interested in set movement and uh, more traditional technique Um, and in the span uh, of the the 30 years 35 years I've been doing this uh, improvisation has has changed in in the field and now it's become much much more important to the whole field Uh, worldwide people are realizing that improvisation uh, as a performance art is a real artistic practice uh, and has not only uh, value in and of itself but it has value uh, to the field Uh, that and so more and more people are, are being drawn to improvisation seeing it as something that could enhance what they're already doing and so I've gone from feeling like this sort of um, peripheral person to someone who I really feel the respect of my peers here and um, that has come through getting to know people over many many years and they're seeing the work and starting to understand it and starting to see the relationship between what improvisers are doing and what they're doing and in many ways if you think about set movement uh, it's just a different type of improvising. In other words if you're doing set choreography the, the parameters are quite narrow. This is, the movement is set ahead of time but the fact is it's always different. Every performance is different and every Pass in the class of doing the combination is different, and um, inside of that, you're having to solve the problem again and again and again of how to do this uh, in these dynamically changing conditions, which means not only the environment around you is changing. So, if we're dancing together, you're a little bit early right now, or you're a little bit late, or you you we're partnering and you you lift off with a lot more force than you did the last time and so if I'm just in the mode of doing it the same way every time then I don't know how to deal with that those variances and um, uh, so the performers who understand that and embrace that are the ones who understand what it means to improvise and they may not feel comfortable having a performance that's wide open where you have to not only uh, create the form and live within it within the performance um, they would prefer often to know the form practice it and uh, let the variances be quite small Uh, but the ones who get that are the ones who are the most interesting performers because as you know um, it's never the same every performance every class is different uh, because your body is changing day to day both physically and emotionally and um, the audience diff- changes. The traction of the floor changes. Um, yeah, so um, it, that ability to be to embrace the unknown is something that um, uh, I think people are starting to realize. It's everywhere, and learning how to fail and learning how to deal with uncertainty and ambiguity is something that uh, we all need to learn how to do. And not it's not just a something that special people who like to do that, uh, who like to improvise. Uh, for many people, improvising is frightening. And they're like, why would I ever put myself in that situation? Um, for me, it was um, perhaps after years of uh, athletics, which while there's a score of like, OK, I'm trying to get the puck in the net or I'm trying to uh, hit the ball back in tennis, um, there's so much improvisation inside of that. and so. Um, when I came to improvising or dance through improvisation I was able to apply those problem solving skills but instead of competing I was working creatively and that was uh, amazing. Uh, The idea that you could engage with emergent form and uh, and when things uh, surprised you you didn't panic, you just dealt with it and you made sense of it Um, and for me that is a Uh, practice for life um, is uh, I think we're taught as young people that or we're sort of implicitly taught that part of the maturation process is to learning how to control things learning how to understand them and control things and I really feel like that's not true uh, that that part of the maturation process is accepting that things happen that you didn't plan all the time no matter how how organized you are and how well you plan, um, things don't always go according to plan. And um, if, when things don't go according to plan, you get upset or you panic, um, uh, it's just not productive. And it it often creates uh, a real sense of uh, unhappiness, misery, and alienation. Um, You feel like the world is doing things to you. Uh, whereas if you embrace the fact that um, it is that emergent and filled with uh, unpredictability, uh, if you have a lifetime practice of um, embracing that and creatively solving problems over and over and over accepting that some of the solutions are not they don't work so you fail um, but that, Intelli- physical intelligence is the ability to solve problems quickly and efficiently in the moment and not to have to resort to stereotyped uh, ways of acting and behaving. Uh, because if my only choice when things go awry are like one or two choices, uh, my ability to, f- to make a, a, a choice that really fits that situation is really compromised. and having a history of improvisation um, allows me to really continually uh, generate new si- solutions to problems that more um, accurately fit that situation. And even if I do make a choice that doesn't quite work, I can even change it within the process of that problem solving. So um, I don't just have one chance to get it right. I can um, iterative, iteratively. Uh, generate new solutions. And this is not just physical problems, but it's also social problems. Uh,
0: This podcast was produced by the Bates Dance Festival. Editing was done by myself, Lindsay LaPointe. Music featured by Adam Crawley. If you would like to take class, See a performance or attend the many special events we have planned this summer, visit BatesDanceFestival.org.